Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kathy Fetke. She's the CEO and founder of the Real Wealth Network, an expert in real estate around the country. Welcome back to the show, Kathy. Thank you. For people who haven't heard you before, just give a brief uh, kind of bio and how you got to where you are creating this Real Wealth Network. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm co-CEO of Real Wealth Network. My other co is my husband. And it started somewhat by accident. About 13 years ago, he went to the doctor for a routine visit and found out he had melanoma. And then after further testing, was told he had six months to live. They thought it had spread. Now, the good news is he is alive and well today, and the doctor was wrong. But at the time, of course, we were panicked. And I I was in uh, the media. I had been a, a news reporter and a writer and an occasional anchor. And I had this radio show, and I immediately changed the topic to how do I create passive income uh, so that I could be home with my children and help him through this hard time but you know have him stop working and I just started interviewing guest after guest after guest like you and just find out how did you create passive income because I want to do that and within a year you know we had 13 cash flowing properties all over the country I think actually 14 and uh, and then I was able to show other people how we did that and that's what the Real Wealth Network is today. It's an educational resource helping people free up their time through, um, you know, smart real estate investments that create cash flow. So you have what's called the Real Turnkey Properties. Explain what Real stands for and how does it all work? Oh, that's a great question. Well, we started to see a bunch of companies trying to do what we've been doing, which is provide, uh, you know, regular folks and investors with rental properties that are, you know, that, that work, that are legit. And, um, and yet we started to see these signs go up and all these internet websites saying turnkey property, but we'd go out and see what they were and they were anything but turnkey. These were properties where maybe a carpet was replaced and, and some paint splashed on the walls, but the big ticket items were not replaced. And, you know, as an investor, if you're if you've got a property that you'd like to kind of forget about and just collect rent on, you want to make sure that uh, you're not going to be replacing a roof or a HVAC unit or, you know, plumbing. I mean, these things you want to know are, are already taken care of. And and so we realized that people were misusing the word turnkey. So we came up with real turnkey, which means it really is turnkey are, you know, standing for. Um, you know, ha- well, R-E-A-L stands for the, the different uh, levels of, of uh, renovation that's been done. And, um, and, and to go into the detail of that, we have it up on our website. Uh, but, you know, it has to appraise. It has to be inspected. It, it has to um, have a licensed property management in, uh, in you know, in th- that, that, you know, has experienced as taking care of those properties. So the investor just puts the money up, and it's it's uh, renovated, it's managed. They just literally get cash flow. They don't have to be involved in it at all. Is that right? Well, I mean, the truth is, I'd like to say that's that's how it is, but at the end of the day, rental property isn't totally passive, and I, I just want to be really honest about that. It can be if you invest in a rental fund, uh, you know, which a lot of our investors we we offer that as well, where you can where we manage it for you. We find the properties, we manage them, we make sure they're renovated and investors can just passively invest in that fund. But uh, more often people are buying the property themselves, getting titled themselves. And even with a very good property manager in place, you still have to pay attention to your properties. You can't just forget about it like you could maybe do with a stock. Um, you, you've got to make sure that you're reading your statements that you're, you're that you're actually receiving your rents because sometimes property managers implode. We just experienced that with a team in Chicago. They they grew too big. They didn't know how to scale, and uh, you know one month that you know investors didn't receive their their rental income. It turned out the property manager was covering you know kind of using those rental incomes to cover their expenses because they hired too many people. So the minute 
the minute you see something wrong, you got to take action. So I'd like to say it's totally passive, but you know, the truth is it's not. So there's always a kind of a balance between renting and buying. Um, mm-hmm. wh- where does that stand now in the country? Are, are rental networks growing or people who are used to be able to rent want to buy now? There seems to be lack of supply in many hot markets. Give us a sense of the kind of buy versus rent balance these days. Yeah, you know, there's a positive and a negative to everything, right? It just depends on which side of the fence you're you're on. So right now, we are seeing an incredible increase in rental demand because homeownership is at an all-time low, like a, a nearly 60-year low, which is concerning. Uh, but there, there's reasons for that. We have household formations uh, that are on a massive upside. So we're expecting that the amount of new households that are formed will be twice what they were over the past decade. And that's because you've got this massive millennial population that's just getting out of college and, you know, moving out in the world and getting apartments and creating households. Now, we also have a growing immigration population. So you've got this massive group of people forming households, but what are they doing? Are they buying? Are they renting? Turns out the majority are renting. And so as a result, uh, there is an incredible opportunity to be a landlord. You just need to know how to do it and do it properly because anyone who just jumps in without the education or knowledge or support and team can end up finding out that it's not not a fun business if you don't know what you're doing. But if you do have the systems and team in place, it can be really a fantastic opportunity to provide housing to people who just are not in a position to own at this time. In many markets, there seems to be a shortage of supply to buy. Is that helping mm-hmm. the rental market as well, that people just can't literally find anything to buy that they want to buy? Well, they're having a hard time finding something to rent as well. It's, it's a housing shortage in general. Uh, what happened was back in the housing you know, meltdown, builders got wiped out. You know, Their credit lines just disappeared and they could be mid-project and suddenly have no money to finish it. And, and they got hurt. I mean, I, I believe some of the, the major builders lost as much as 90%. You know, it, was, it, was, it was rough. And so many just got out of the business or slowed down or just aren't taking the risks and building the subdivisions they would have built 10 years ago. And the market was flooded with inventory of, you know, distressed property, foreclosures and short sales. So in the last 10 years, we're probably about three to five million properties short of what we should have in inventory levels because builders just stopped building, but the population's growing. So whether it's a rental or a, you know, a, a home for sale, it's hard to find property in in the most desirable markets. Now, you could probably go to, I don't know, <laughs> some Timbuktu place and find plenty of places to live. But if you're going to try to find a place to live where there's jobs and, you know, where, where people want to live, then um, it's, it's gotten tough. So the result is home prices have gone up. Whenever there's a lack of supply, it's a supply-demand issue, uh, with lack of supply for rentals and for homes for sale, um, we are seeing home prices increase and rents increase. So we're really facing some serious affordability issues. Again, depending on which side of the, fe- uh, the fence you sit, you could be making a lot of money if you're the landlord and rents are going up. You could be making a lot of money if you own the property and you're selling it. But if you're trying to buy or if you're trying to rent, you know, you're know you're faced with the fact that rents and home prices are going up. So normally in that circumstance, the market would respond and builders would build more rental units and build more housing. Why is that not happening fast enough this time? Well, it's like I said, they're they're trying, but it's not been easy and they're not willing to take the risk that they used to take. Uh, it also takes a long time to get something built. Um, the, the whole environmental push has uh, created more regulations that make it harder to get permits. It takes longer in a lot of places to get anything built. We bought 4,200 lots in Tampa, just north of Tampa, where there's a housing shortage. We bought them for 10 cents on the dollar back in 2010. We are still trying to build. We, we aren't going to get, be able to build until next year. So even though there's desperate desperate need for housing, uh, we and, and we got the lots for such a great price, so we should be able to build them affordably it's taken us seven years and we're not there yet so you know that this is a problem and and with that 
the, the cost to build has gone up about 30%. So again, in our case, we should be able to bring affordable housing inventory on the market because we bought so cheap. But now labor costs have gone up because there's actually a labor shortage, if you can believe that. And, uh, and material costs have gone up and permits, like I said, have gone up about 30%. So builders just haven't been able to build or to bring in anything affordable. So there is there is inventory out there on the high end, especially in the high end condo market. There may be actually an oversupply in some markets, but what's really needed is affordable housing. And that's where there's a lack right now for, for those reasons. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kathy Fetke. She's the co-CEO and co-founder at the Real, Nelth, Real Wealth Network. And you can find out more about her at her website, which is realwealthnetwork.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kathy Fetke. She's the co-CEO and co-founder of The Real Wealth Network, helping people invest in real estate. And you can find out more about her at her website, realwealthnetwork.com. Welcome back to the show, Kathy. Thank you. So to join the network is to, is free. Kind of tell us, say somebody joins something and say they want to do an individual home. Kind of take us through the process. How much might it cost? What kind of returns in rental income could they get? Just kind of take us through the, the process of how you actually help people uh, invest in real estate. Sure, sure. I'd love to. I mean, back when I started 13 years ago, uh, there wasn't really podcasts and there wasn't uh, free information. People had to sign up for boot camps and go learn how to knock on doors to, you know, get find foreclosures, you know, like things that people don't have time to do. So we said, you know, the heck with that. Let's let's make this easy. Uh, and so we, number one, research the country to find out where are the jobs, where the jobs are or where the people are going that need housing and that can pay for it. So first and foremost, we look at market data and say, oh, look, Cleveland, Ohio, this is a place where there's a medical hub, lots of medical growth. We have an aging population. This, this is one of the sectors that is growing. And, and um, yet Cleveland housing is, well, we can get properties for $100,000 or less even that rent for about 1% of purchase price or more. Uh, and so maybe you might find an $85,000 house that rents for nine fifty or a thousand a month. So you can still find properties that have double digit returns on the cash flow. And so when you join real wealth network, you get access to that market data. And again, that it's free to join. Um, it, it's the power of the network that allows us to do what we do because then we can go to these different areas. Like I said, Cleveland or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where you've got, 
um, the second largest film studio production next to Hollywood. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of tech growth, a lot of job growth, population growth there, but housing is still so cheap. Again, under $100,000 for a home that rents for more than 1% of purchase price. And so when you join, you get access to all that data, where the hot markets are, the emerging markets. And then in those different markets, we found local real estate investors with a proven track record. They've done a lot of deals. They know where to find the deals. They're not typically MLS. They're, they're the guys who go around and uh, send out the flyers and find the distressed property, and they're able to get it for cheap and renovate it and, and uh, up to our real turnkey standards and get a, a qualified tenant in there and offer the ongoing licensed property management. So we refer our members to those teams as well. And then if anything, like I said, if anything goes wrong, if we get a sign that something's not working, one of our investors says, you know, we're kind of late on, on our rental payments or, you know, we feel like maybe we were overcharged on this. Well, then we can go in as a network and negotiate on behalf of our members because, you know, they we have more power. They don't want to lose a group of 30,000 investors, you know. So yeah. it's really the power of the network. So that's that's what's in it so, for So us. there are individual uh, uh, properties for sale. Uh, that mm -hmm. have been vetted, and there's going to be property management. The members of the network can see those and then mm -hmm. bid on it. Is that right? And then the network gets a yep. commission for for selling. Is that the way the network uh, supports itself? Yeah, it's a it's like a, a same type of referral fee that if if you went to your local real estate agent and said, "Hey, I, I want to buy a property in Dallas," and and that agent found you an agent in Dallas, uh, they would pay each other a broker to broker fee, and that's just how how we structure it. And so, what so it doesn't kind of, come out of the investor's pocket. Yeah, they, they will split the fee in effect. So yeah. uh, what what kind of returns, cash on cash returns, can people expect if they do this right? If they buy property at good prices and charge yeah. market rents, what, what kind of returns should they expect? You know, it changes every day because of this lack of inventory and prices going up. I can I can say that cap rates are compressing, and that's just the way the way the market cycles go. So as as home prices go up, uh, you know, your yield tends to come down because you're paying more for the property. But with that said, in some of these markets, you're still able to get 10, 11, 12% return. For the most part, you're going to be looking at more like 8, 9% if you're to go to a place like Dallas where prices have already gone up or Houston, uh, Denver, you might be lucky if you get a 3% cap, you know. So, we are we are really focused on those emerging markets. Like where has the have the hedge funds not discovered yet? Where where have the, all those foreign investors not discovered yet? And can we get there first ahead of the path of progress, and uh, before anyone knows about it? So, so you think um, it's dangerous yeah. to invest in the high flying markets in a San Francisco or a Denver places that are super hot? You think that's oh, yeah. dangerous for investors to uh, for real estate income to invest in? Terribly, terribly dangerous in, unless you really know what you're doing and can handle a down market. We know that, yes, rents have gone up in these areas. Prices have gone up. There's been massive appreciation. If you got in a few years ago, you made money. Just, just because somebody else made a bunch of money over the past five years does not mean the next five years are going to be the same. In fact, if anything, it means the next five years are going to be different because based on history, markets cycle. And, and they, they peak and then suddenly it hits a, an affordability level that's no, more sustain, no longer sustainable. And the companies start to say, wow, I can't you know, afford to pay my employees. Let's go somewhere cheaper. And, and then things change. And so you know, you've got to be careful if you're buying in a market that's already doubled or tripled in value over the past five, six years. Do not think that's going to happen again. It's not. So, yeah, people are rushing into Denver and Portland and Seattle and, you know, Miami thinking, wow, look at all the money that was made here. Well, you know, you, you missed it. It's, it's over. You need to get into the market that nobody knows about yet. <laughs> but so you think the, these are, are bubbles in effect? You know, you can always find a deal anywhere. But overall, those areas have, have, are beyond the last 2006 bubble. So you, you could look back and say, hmm, was 2006 a bubble? Uh, we could all say, yeah, well, you know, it popped. So if we're now just 10 years later above and beyond those values of 2006, then you could potentially say it's a bubble if, if salaries haven't gone up at the same rate. So, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about some of those areas. Now, Dallas prices are way, way above 2006 levels, but 
what you have to look at in, in Dallas is that at the time, there wasn't a bubble there. So it was, in fact, 26% undervalued back in 2006. So I'm not worried about some markets. I don't think there'll be a lot of upside in Dallas, but I don't think there'll be a downside. Uh, but in, in certain markets where it just the affordability levels are, you know, they've, they've hit the ceiling. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned because where do you go from there? So what are some of the markets that you're finding are still undervalued in an overheated market now? Well, you know, you can look at a, a market like Atlanta, for example, where overall, if you look at Atlanta, it's it's the prices have gone up way past where they've ever been before. They're past their past peak. But if you look a little, if you dive in a little deeper into a city like that, you'll see that there are parts of it that are that are experiencing a revitalization. There's uh, a new, oh gosh, I forget what it's called, but it's like a these these gardens that are these old railway railroad tracks that are being revitalized, uh, kind of scary parts of town that are now being, uh, you know, re, re, again renovated, mm-hmm. and. Those are areas where you can still get in, get a good deal. You're kind of taking a risk because they, the markets haven't totally turned yet. It, it, it's not quite a nice area. You're in front of the path of progress, but you know it's coming. So that that's a great possibility. Same for Cleveland. Like I said, there's parts of Cleveland that they're, they're slated uh, to be revitalized, but it hasn't happened yet. So you can go in and get wonderful deals there. Pittsburgh, um, again, Tampa, Jacksonville, uh, parts of Florida haven't quite recovered yet simply because of their foreclosure laws. Their judicial foreclosure laws made it really tough for banks to take properties back. It's taken five to seven years for them to foreclose. So they haven't recovered yet simply because of that. So you, you just have to kind of understand the, the dynamics of each market and where the opportunity is. To, to find those deals, but they are out there, but they're going so, quick. <laughs> if, if people don't want to do an individual deal, you also do syndications, kind of a crowdfunding. Explain how mm-hmm. that works and what's the minimum to get into that and what kind of returns could people expect in your crowdfunding yeah. platform? Yeah, crowdfunding has become real popular. You've got to be super careful with it because a lot of the crowdfunding portals, you know, the, the teams there haven't necessarily been vetted. So, you know, don't think, wow, I found this great deal on this crowdfunding site. It must be okay. It's just kind of not how it works. Uh, for, for us, we absolutely have relationships with the developers that we work with. We have longstanding uh, relationships and, and uh, projects that have gone well. We've got a track record. So the way a crowdfunding deal works is most of us don't have, you know, three to $5 million in our pockets that we can plop down on a, on a deal to, to pick up a a subdivision or some land that is in the path of progress. But together as a network, everybody can put in about 50,000 and we can buy that $5 million property if a hundred investors go in. And, and that's what we help put together is this crowdfunding deals. So one example is a project we have in Reno, Reno, Nevada, man, if you went there and 10 years ago, you wouldn't probably want to go back unless <laughs> unless you were going to gamble or do something else you shouldn't be doing. But um, now that city has transformed because Tesla has made it its headquarters for its uh, new battery factories. Amazon has moved up there. Um, uh, I believe Go- yeah, Google, Amazon, lots of tech companies that just can't afford to get up and running in the Silicon Valley are just going three and a half hours away to Reno. So that area is creating thousands of jobs. And unfortunately, the, the, like I said before, the builders can't keep up. They just cannot. They maybe built a thousand homes over this past year when 5,000 jobs have come to town. So we are working with a developer up there who has found us some great, uh, just amazing deal on land from a property owner who got in a distressed situation with a, a short-term loan, a balloon note. Those are dangerous. Never, ever buy land on a short-term loan that balloons because that'll get you in trouble. And that's what happened to these guys. So we were able to save them from total loss and buy the land for really cheap. It's totally entitled, ready to build on, and uh, and, and it's going to cost us about $13 million. So investors get 12.5% preferred return and a portion of the back-end profit on uh, – on this developer's past deals, people have made between 20 and, and 40% annualized returns. So we have a lot of confidence 
in in him and that's probably the best advice I can give anyone is it's never about how good the deal is. You can get a fantastic deal if you do not have the right operators in place, the, the right the management to go back. Yeah. It's so, the people. And, yeah, this guy's got it. So, what yeah, would we love be the an- anticipated hold on something like that? Would it be five years or would it, would it eventually be sold and liquidated? Yeah, most of his, you know, he doesn't like long term because he's he knows how markets can change. So he likes to be in about two to three year time periods. So you'll get current income and then presumably will have appreciated a lot because of what's going on in Reno and you'd get a capital gain at that point. On this particular one, we're actually building homes. So uh, as, as we build a home, investors get, uh, it, I believe it will be treated as ordinary income because we're- I see, we're so they're getting constant distributions mm-hmm. as the homes are sold, you're saying? Yes, you got it. Mm-hmm. I see, I see, okay. So on what's this the, one, but we have other ones like like you said that have so rental So what income. is the advantage for people of doing the syndication as opposed to doing individual homes? It's passive. That's the difference. Like I said, when you own rental property, we try to make it as possible as humanly possible, <laughs> as passive. So we, you know, we put the teams in place, we research the markets, we uh, have the property management. But at the end of the day, it's the people, like we said. So uh, a property management company can, you know, maybe there's an illness or, they, you know, they they have a divorce or who knows what these mom and pop property managers. Uh, might face in the time that they are managing your property. So you have to pay attention. And if you start to see signs that their services are not what they used to be, then, you know, you got to go in and and change to find a better property manager. So it's not totally passive, but the difference is you get all the cash flow and you get all the appreciation. So it's worth that extra effort, which is maybe a few hours a month of your time. It's really not a lot of time with rental property. There's not a whole lot to do, especially if you bought everything repaired. But some people just don't even have time to do that. They don't yeah. have time. The syndication to is completely hands off. You're it's saying yes, hands right. off. You Very invest, good. someone else manages it. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. Very good. That's We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kathy Fetke. She's the co-CEO and co-founder of the Real Wealth Network to help people invest in real estate. You can find out more at her website, which is realwealthnetwork.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kathy Fetke. She's the co-CEO and co-founder of the Real Wealth Network to help people invest in real estate. Her website is realwealthnetwork.com. Welcome back to the show, Kathy. Thank you. Well, let's talk about interest rates. Uh, we have this very hot real estate market with lots of shortage of supply on both the rental side and the ownership side. Uh, interest rates have been relatively stable, but the Fed has started to raise rates. What is your outlook for how interest rate movements will affect the real estate market here? Well, it seems that interest rates go along with the uh, strength of the economy. If if the economy is strong, then investors invest in the stock market and they're not investing so much in treasuries or mortgage-backed securities. So mortgage rates tend to go up when the economy is booming. Uh, we had a decent GDP report and we saw uh, mortgages go up. So, um, or I should say mortgage rates go up a bit. They're still historically low. So, you know, 
man, take advantage of it if you haven't yet, because where else can you lock in a a 30-year loan at 4% or just slightly over 4%. So even when we say rates are going up, it, it's, it's still fantastic. I mean, my dad was at 15%, I think, in the 80s. If he knew that people could get loans for 4%, he'd think we're crazy for thinking rents are going, that we're worried about rents going or, um, rates going up. But with that said, we are from what I can see and everyone I talk to and that we might be in the ninth inning of this economic cycle. We've had a good long run of about nine years of, uh, you know, bull market. And generally uh, at this point is when we could see a turnaround maybe in the next, I don't know, within the next three years, most likely. So if that were the case and we did see what would naturally be the next step in the ninth inning, which would be a potential recession, then I believe that rates will go down because, again, it, it, it seems to go in line with investor optimism. They might buy more bonds and treasuries, which, again, would, uh, would affect rates and, and lower mortgage rates. So I believe that in, within the next three years, we'll actually see rates go down. But until then, as long as everybody's in this irrational exuberance place and and then people seem to think that we're going only one direction and that's up, then you know we'll continue to see rates go up until they until everything turns. So we've had the Dodd Frank uh, lock went in two thousand and ten, which has made it much dip- more difficult to get mortgages, both commercial and individual. Is that going to be loosening up? Are they going to be loosening the Dodd Frank rules to make it easier to get a loan from a bank these days? They're sure trying. <laughs> uh, you know, the Republicans are going to do what they can to uh, eliminate regulations as best they can. So, uh, again, they, they will try. I don't think that we're going to see the kind of loosening up that got us in trouble last decade. I just don't see that happening. If anything loosens up, it'll be what happened just a few weeks ago, which was uh, just kind of raising the debt-to-income levels, ratios from 45 to 50 percent. I don't, I don't see that happening again. But basically, um, you know, the idea was that there's a lot of millennials with student loan debt and they just can't, they can't make the numbers work at 45 percent debt to income ratios. So that was increased to 50 percent. Uh, but at the same time, just last week, uh, there was a change that tightened uh, the lending regulations and made it a little bit more difficult for borrowers to borrow their down payment. Mm. So again, you know, I don't think lenders are in any hurry to go through what they went through in 2008. I, and, I don't think there'll be a huge loosening up. And how about on the commercial side? What do you see in the commercial lending, uh, mortgage lending side? Is that going to loosen up? You know, when it comes to private institutions, not Fannie and Freddie, but, uh, you know, portfolio lenders who basically, you know, can write their own rules when it comes to commercial. I think we're going to see more opportunity because you've got, you've got lots of money in this world globally looking for safety, looking for yield. And, you know, U.S. real estate seems to be what most people are finding to be the safer place for it, especially when in Europe you're, you're seeing people invest in, in negative bonds. You know, like, what, what, what is that? And so, they, you know, they come here and say, wow, you know, we can invest in these commercial loan programs and get a, a decent return. So I actually think there's going to be more. I've talked to a lot of lenders who are um, trying to just really literally, if they can find the operator, they, they come to me. I, I just talked to a commercial lender who said, please just come to us and ask for a minimum of a $3 million credit line because <laughs> they're <laughs> trying to find someone to borrow who will borrow their money. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's the case. But what I am concerned about in the commercial world is that uh, a lot of the commercial loans that we're going to balloon are ballooning now, this year. So we may see an increase in defaults on those commercial loans unless uh, another lender would come in and, and Because they won't be able to roll them over, you're saying. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, keep your eye open because there could be some deals out there in the commercial sector from people who who had balloon notes that are coming due now and, and don't have a, a backup plan. Another area you deal in is trust deeds. So maybe explain how those work and what kind of yields people can get if they invest in trust deeds through you. Oh, gosh. Private lending is the way to go if you want passive income, as long as you do it right. And basically investing in a 
a private loan that's secured to real estate. It means if, if that person doesn't pay you back, you take the, the collateral, you take the property. So as long as there's enough equity in that property, that could end up being a really fantastic deal for you. You almost want people to not pay you back so you could foreclose. I'm, I'm kidding. But really, that's the kind of security you get when you do private lending. So the difference is, you know, a lot of people want to buy the property, rent it out and own it, because if that property increases in value, you get to keep that equity. The difference is, as a lender, you're going to lend to somebody and, and get steady cash flow from from that lending, you, you get the interest rate, uh, but you don't get any appreciation on the property or, or anything like that. But you also don't get any, you don't have to worry about repairs or taxes or insurance. You're just earning an interest rate. So, yes, what, what we have, at least at Real Wealth Network, are these real estate investors nationwide who are finding deals, finding properties, getting them fixed up renting them out and selling those properties to investors looking for rental properties, um, you know, our investors at Real Wealth Network. But these these guys need money. And so investors can say, you know, I don't really want the rental property. I just want to lend money to these these proven operators with a with a track record. Uh, I'll, I'll lend them $100,000 on a property that they're going to fix up and, and have it in first lien position and have that money just tied up for the time that they're getting that property fixed. It might be you know, six to eight weeks. So that's the short-term lending side. You can lend in a fund, which is more long-term, and then just totally forget about it because your money is tied, you know, again to... Uh, and so what, what kind of yields short- can people earn both in the short-term and the funds, roughly? Well, the short-term flips tend to pay more. You can you can usually get, they call it hard money, I, I guess you could, you know, call it that, but you can get anywhere from 9 to 12%. Uh, and more in some cases. If somebody finds a, a fantastic deal, they'll be more than willing to pay that to you. Uh, for usually the longer term funds, it's going to be around 8%, which is still fantastic because your money's tied to, to real estate at a low LTV. Yes. Another area that's been very new is the foreign bar- buyers coming in, in particular markets in San Francisco and Seattle, Miami, and so on. Uh, is this a healthy thing for the markets to have so many foreign buyers coming in? You know, so many people ask me that because I wrote a blog on it. The foreign investment into U.S. real estate was up 49% this year from last year. That is phenomenal. And I think it has to do a bit with some changes in the taxes. Uh, Some of these foreign investors are being taxed less to come and buy U.S. real estate. I'm not really sure why. I don't know why that change was made. It seems that we should be taxing them more. So, you know, is it dangerous? I don't know if it's dangerous, but in Australia, if you want to go buy property there, you're going to pay taxes, uh, different taxes than the than the residents would pay, and I think that's fair. So, you know, I would I would want our government to look at that, like, you know, why are we making it so easy? Either way, when you've got all this foreign money coming in, buying U.S. real estate, that tells you a couple of things. One, they must think the U.S. market is safe. You know, they're they're putting their money here over other markets, and uh, and also that means that probably we're going to see a continued lack of inventory. That's what happened in Vancouver, uh, Canada. There's so much foreign money came in that prices just escalated, 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 and there's a lack of inventory. So that's where it's frustrating, as we already have a lack of inventory. It just means that this commodity is going to be more and more in demand. And, uh, again, if you own it, that's good for you. <laughs> and the same has been true with institutional investors. Uh, a lot of real estate investment trusts and hedge funds buying entire neighborhoods. Is that still going on or has that slowed up a bit? You know, it just it, it's still going on. Yeah, it's a, it seems to be less than, you know, say five years ago when there were deals everywhere. There's, like I said, cap rates are compressing and yields are lower. So that's not, it's not enticing to some of those groups. But with very few choices out there, they're they're still coming in. Uh, it seems that the Chinese buyers are are still attracted to the the hot, you know, markets like California, and um, and hot as in I mean attractive. Uh, they they also like Seattle, Portland. Then you've got um, a lot of Canadians. We had a huge increase in Canadian buyers, and they really like Florida. Florida is warm in the winter. They they like that. Uh, get away from their cold cold winters there, and it's still so cheap in Florida. So we saw a big influx there of Canadians, and then a lot of Mexican investors uh, buying in Texas, and that of course is helping to drive prices up there. 
yeah. So it's it's hard for the individual investor to compete with these foreigners that have a huge amount of cash and institutions that have a huge amount of cash. They don't need mortgages. Uh, so it makes it yeah. harder for people who have to go through the whole, it, not only as investors, but as uh, people who want to buy a home as well. If they're competing with these mega uh, institutions, it just makes the market yeah. that much tighter, it seems. It's very frustrating. It seems that it would be my opinion that an American looking to buy their first home or, you know, or whatever, just looking to buy should get priority. But, you know, then then you're kind of interfering with the free market. So I, I don't know. It just it does seem unfair and frustrating. But I'll tell you what I just did for my daughter, because maybe this will uh, give some people some ideas. She got into a position where she's able to qualify for a loan. Uh, she, I, I said, great, you know, go find a property. She found an amazing deal, such a good deal that I knew it would go probably same day. And it, what she was going to do was an FHA, you know, 3% down loan. She never would have got the deal. Someone else with cash would have got it. So what my husband and I did was borrow from our retirement. We uh, offered to pay cash for the property and with the understanding that she would refinance the property and, you know, pay us back within a month. That's how she was able to get this property. Otherwise, she would have been uh, outbid by somebody else with cash. So, you know, that this if, if you're able and have the means to do that, uh, that's just one way to help help, help people out. You have to um, move fast these days. Yes, indeed. Got to move fast if it's a good deal. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Kathy Fetke. She's the co-CEO and co-founder of The Real Wealth Network. You can find out more about her at her website, realwealthnetwork.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kathy Fetke, co-CEO of The Real Wealth Network. And you can find out more about all that she offers for real estate investors at realwealthnetwork.com. Welcome back to the show, Kathy. Thank you. So how about flipping real estate? If the things are that hot, what are the pros and cons of buying something, renovating it, and selling it in a relatively short period of time in this market? Well, you know, that works really well when you're in a hot market where there's not a lot of inventory. And if you have the skills to be able to find a deal like my daughter did, she she found a property that, you know, had it, it was a bit distressed and the, the bathroom uh, needed fixing. And so if you know how to find something like that and can fix it quickly and for a good price, then you can just put it right back on the market and, and hopefully uh, sell it for more. What people need to understand is that it's not something to dabble in, like so many of the, the TV shows will make you think. You have got to know what you're doing. You've got to be able to calculate that there's going to be about 10% uh, that you're going to have to pay in sales costs. You are going to have to calculate in the cost of um, the, the holding costs, the insurance and taxes for as long as you hold that property. And then, of course, all the repairs that need to happen and the increase in labor. It's labor so hard to find and that, that could delay you. So you could, unfortunately, on your first deal, end up losing money rather than making it. And that's generally how it works. What I tell people, if you have not flipped houses don't just run out and try to do it unless you're living in it. You know, if you're living in it, then take your time. But if you are holding this property, my my advice is 
work with someone who's done it before, learn it, understand it. So you don't end up just going to the school of hard knocks. That's an expensive school. Uh, It's just not as easy as it looks. We've talked mostly domestically so far here, but you're also involved in some Central American developments in Belize and Nicaragua. What is the attraction of going uh, to those kind of places? Well, besides the fact that they're beautiful, <laughs> uh, there's there's an opportunity, just like I'm so passionate about finding emerging markets, places that maybe have a bad reputation from the past, but there's been a revitalization. The world just doesn't know about it yet. If you can get there first before the rest of the world knows, then you're probably going to get both cash flow and appreciation over time. So when you, you take a place like Nicaragua, my goodness, you know, we, we all you know, if you were around in the 80s, you know that Nicaragua had a tough time. Um, it was just a bloodbath there, and it, no one no one would want to go buy investment property there in the 80s. But today, it's a different place. It's an emerging market. So, you know, you can buy a waterfront condo for for under $100,000 through uh, some of our, from the developer network that we have in Nicaragua, right on one of the best surf breaks there. And uh, and it's not it's not the place that it was during the Sandinistas. So again, the same thing applies. It's diversification. Um, just having a place to go, maybe for retirement. Maybe you want to spend a few months out of the year beachfront in a beautiful climate. This is an opportunity. And then when you're not there, just rent it out to other people. So I think we've all heard the massive amount of money. Or I should say the massive increase in your cash flow when you rent short term, you know, you do the the vacation rentals. So why not have a property that you can cash flow and use in a beautiful place? So uh yeah, this it's are, a, are these offered attractive. these are offered through the Real Wealth Network as well? Yeah, yeah. We have a network of developers who are experienced and already established in both Belize, another emerging market, and uh, Nicaragua. Now, a place like Costa Rica, it's a little further along. People aren't afraid of Costa Rica, so you're going to pay a little more to go there. We're actually building a whole retreat center. The way that we're making money in Costa Rica, since prices have already gone up a bit, uh, is, is we're building. But in, um, in Nicaragua, we're working with developers who already have the the project up and running. That's key because a lot of a, a lot of developers go to these places and never get it off the ground. So one of the things we make sure is that we're working with established developers who have a track record in the in the properties already built or in the in the process of being built. Another topic I want to mention was tax reform. Now President Trump and the Republicans are talking about major cuts in corporate and individual tax rates. Say what they proposed happens. What would be the impact of that on the real estate market? Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of people, myself included, thought, oh, wow, we've got a real estate investor in the office. You know, that's that's a good thing. Uh, probably the decisions that will be made will be good for us. But in fact, uh, there is some concern that things will change if if the tax changes go through. And that's a big if. Who, who knows? You know, who knows if... Uh, if our leaders can ever agree on anything. But if they do, and the tax law has changed, it could affect 1031 exchanges. Uh, and that's really important. If if you're not familiar with that, it's, a, it's an opportunity to sell a property where you've got a huge gain and exchange it for another property and defer that gain uh, you know, until you die. And in some cases, you'll never have to pay that capital gain. That could be removed with the new tax law. Another thing that is discussed is the mortgage interest deduction could be eliminated. And, or or and limited. Is, Probably not eliminated altogether, but maybe limited, right? Maybe. I mean, who knows? But, yeah, that that's the discussion. And and so I know the realtor, you know, the real estate um, – uh, what am I trying to say? Oh, my gosh. The lobby? The lobby? Yes, the lobbyists uh, are very <laughs> – concerned that some of these changes actually could hurt the real estate market. Uh, some, some some are saying as much as a, it could have a 10% decline in home prices as a result. Now, it's all speculation at this point, but um, those are concerns. But but lower on the other lower side, tax rates would help, right? It's, it sure seems like it would. Um, it's just that it appears that some of those tax cuts may not actually help the middle class. And that's where the, the problem mm-hmm. could, could, could be. But we'll see. We, there's still a long way to go on that. 
<laughs> Indeed, there is. Yes, um, <laughs> you, you have a, a podcast. Tell people a little bit about the podcast and what you have at your website to teach people about all aspects of real estate. Sure, my podcast is called The Real Wealth Show. And I interview experts like you and many others. I've had Robert Kiyosaki on and Dennis Kaminsky and uh, a lot of just, you know, kind of the investor next door type person uh, to find out how they've built wealth. I, I interview them. And then I also have real estate news for investors. That's a podcast. It's just five to seven minutes where I give daily updates on on the ever changing uh, real estate landscape. One of your podcasts recently was about renovation of property and what pays and what doesn't pay uh, to renovate. What is your advice there as to if you're going to make an investment, what pays off the most? Well, they say that the kitchen is the most important, and uh, I would probably have to agree because, again, it, it is said that is the the woman who chooses the house. I don't know if that's always true, but uh, always make sure that the, the kitchen is up to date. White cabinets are in right now. Uh, white cabinets are actually cheaper than wood, so it's, it's, it's not a bad deal. Um, and, you know, there's so many good floorings out there that are just, they're beautiful, but not too expensive. And some are made to look like wood and, and aren't. And, and so it's just, there's so many options and durable, durable options. So make sure the floors look nice and are clean. Don't have old carpet in there. And then there's certain colors, paint colors that, you know, that, are more acceptable to the masses. Do not think that you can go in and be creative. One of the reasons why my daughter got such a good deal on the house she just bought is the seller thought that uh, dark, dark blue all over the walls, <laughs> even the ceilings, was attractive. And obviously it was not for most people. So, uh, you know, the, my daughter, again, was able to get a great deal on that because no one else wanted the house. So just make sure you're not putting in your... Uh, you know, keep, keep it neutral. Right. Keep it neutral. Yes. Very good. We have about two minutes to go. Just kind of sum up your view of people wanting to get into real estate investing now and why this would be a good time to do it based on all of what we've talked about. Well, what I love about real estate is that it's a secure investment. Again, if you, you have to know what you're doing and do it right because people certainly have lost money in real estate. But, you know, it's not a paper asset. It, it, there's commodities that within that structure it's worth something and we we know our population is growing uh we know that people prefer to live indoors they want a roof over their head and and your money can be secured to something real so and then add to it beyond that security is you get tax advantages and never buy property just for the tax advantages because they can change but Nonetheless, right now, there are some great tax benefits to owning real estate and the ongoing cash flow. And cash flow is the main, the name of the game. Everybody's looking for it. If you're hoping to retire, uh, you, need, you, need, you need income. You need income to pay for that retirement, and real estate can provide that for you. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Kathy Fetke, co-CEO of the Real Wealth Network. A lot of information there if you're interested in investing in real estate. You can find out more at the website, realwealthnetwork.com. She's also got a podcast with all kinds of good information there as well. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.